and welcome back to Antisocial Anecdotes. I am your host, AC, and I'm here to share some funny stories and anecdotes about living life in Brazil. So I got a lot of messages last week about the popcorn fiasco, and it appears that people are quite divided about this. I feel like there was a few people who agreed with me saying, yes, like it's not fair that she wouldn't give me the refill without the original bag. But then a lot of people were saying like, you're kind of an idiot for not just refilling it the same day, which okay, but in my defense, I would agree it's probably not normal to come back weeks later with you know just the receipt asking for a refill but I would like to point out that returning at a later date was a suggestion from the cinema employee it's not like it was my idea um so I feel like if it's anyone's fault it's hers not mine that's all I'm gonna say about that Anyway, so people always ask me, what are the biggest differences about living in Brazil? And I could honestly take an entire day to talk about this, but I thought it might be interesting to highlight some of the big ones. I think just overall, like one of the most subtle and yet isolating moments of being an immigrant is the things that you find normal and even funny or upsetting are often not the same things that the people in your host country find normal or funny. So when something happens and like you just want to look at someone and be like, can you believe this guy? There isn't anyone there to share in your bewilderment or a laugh or frustration. And I think there's something really essential to the human experience to have other people validate our reactions and emotions, you know, whether they're frustration or sadness or comical And like, I don't mean this in the way where you very intentionally seek out support from someone, but I mean in the way that it happens really organically and subtly in like everyday interactions with people. I think it's a process that really just happens subconsciously. Like when you tell a funny story and other people find it funny and they laugh or you're annoyed about something and the people around you can sympathize with it. I think it's this shared human experience and thinking about it, it's something that is very often missing being an immigrant. And people often say like, oh, but you're with your family, like your husband is with you. Are you really like that alone? But he is Brazilian and he had a very different upbringing than I did and he views the world through a very different cultural lens, so to speak. So our sense of humor and the things that we find annoying or normal are very often not the same. And it's not about being right or like I'm not ethnocentric. Well, okay, maybe sometimes I am. I think we're all a little bit ethnocentric sometimes and feel like our culture makes the most sense. But I just sometimes need someone to like understand why something is totally bizarre And I'll say, and people are like, no, this is normal. Like, it's not weird at all. And I'm like, no, yes, it is weird. And it's just part of having that someone validate your feelings. So along the same lines as this, you know, when you first move somewhere, even like in your own country, but you move to a new house or a new neighborhood and all the sounds and smells and everything is different. And it like, it takes you a minute to get used to it. You know, like maybe there's a distinct noise every day at 4 p.m. And you're like, what the heck is that? And then eventually you're like, oh, that's just Bob, my neighbor, feeding the squirrels. 
And then after a while, you don't even hear the noise anymore. And it's only when someone comes over and points it out and it's like, what is that noise? And you're like, oh, no, no, it's just Bob. Like it all becomes sort of this background noise in your psyche. So the neighborhood that I live in has a lot going on all the time. And it is literally just the worst for someone who doesn't like to be overstimulated and would prefer just to like live in the middle of the forest away from humans and noise in general. But you know, I'm here and I'm surviving. And so a couple weeks after we got into our house here, there was just like a lot of noises and sounds I didn't recognize and it would keep me up at night. And going back to that whole thing, there's like no insulation, right? And the windows are not three pane glass it's like one thin pane of glass because you don't need it it's never cold or anything but it also just allows a lot of noise to enter in so one day during the day I was working in my office and I had headphones in but I could like vaguely hear someone yelling and so I took off my headphones and I listened and I'm like yes there's definitely someone yelling outside on the street which also in and of itself is not an unusual occurrence, but it kept getting louder and it really sounded like someone was distressed. So like I came running out into the kitchen and I say to my husband, I'm like, can you hear that? Like, I think someone needs help outside. And he appears very unbothered and he goes, I can assure you no one needs help. And I say, well, what do you mean? Like I can hear someone screaming on the street. And he's like, why don't you go take a look and tell me what you find? So, you know, I'm like, you know what, fine. And so I go outside and, you know, I'm just going to play the sound for you. I've pieced together the screams from the video I took of what I saw. And you tell me this doesn't sound like someone in distress. Okay, so that was not a human yelling for help. It was a goat just standing right outside my house, screaming forever. For what reason? I, I don't know. And like I've been here now for 10 months and I can tell you they do this quite often and it's loud and no one else seems to be bothered or find it humorous. I mean, I don't know. Is it because I didn't grow up on a farm that I don't recognize goats screaming in the street? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. But like I'm always outside filming it and sending it to people because it's so funny to me. And my neighbors are probably like, oh, this Canadian, like, has she never seen a goat before? But like I haven't. And who owns these goats? Like, why are they just roaming the streets? It almost just seems like they're up to no good, you know, very shady. And like they'll travel around in a herd, just like 20 of them. And so you'll be walking down the street and you'll look up and 20 of these goats are just trotting down the street towards you. And I'm like, what is happening? Where do I live? Anyway, so I've learned the screams outside are probably just angry goats. So as I've said, being an immigrant can feel isolating, but also I think the degree to which you feel isolated really just depends on a lot of things, including, you know, your personality and how different your host country's culture really is from yours. I'm probably an extreme because while Canadians in general are just colder, quote unquote, I'm really introverted and people stress me out more than they probably do the average person. So my experience is extreme, maybe. 
I do have an advantage because I speak Portuguese fluently, so I'm able to have some autonomy and integrate myself a bit more maybe than someone who doesn't speak the language. But I was also remembering when I first moved to Brazil, like 12 years ago, and I didn't speak any Portuguese at all. And the people that I lived with also didn't speak English. So all of a sudden, these everyday interactions that I feel like you normally just do on autopilot suddenly become this conscious undertaking, and it's really exhausting. And even activities that you would normally do to relax are no longer relaxing. The city I lived in then was Belo Horizonte, which is in the state of Minas Gerais, and it has about 3 million people. So it's super different than the city I live in now, which has only like 300,000 people, which is considered super small for Brazil. So I lived in a house with two other Brazilian girls who didn't speak any English whatsoever, and they would want to go out on the weekends to, you know, relax or whatever. But nothing that we would do was actually relaxing for me because if we would take a bus or anything you know all the signs are in a different language which I couldn't read we'd go out to eat and I couldn't read anything on the menu we'd go to the movies I couldn't understand anything or even sometimes just in the evenings like we'd sit around and watch tv which is usually like the most chill thing you can do but I'm focusing so hard on what is being said and I still couldn't understand anything And it was just really exhausting. Or we'd like have friends over or go for coffee and they'd be having conversations and I'd start to pick up a few things. But like just as I'm trying to formulate something to say, they would have already moved on. And like when someone makes a joke, everyone laughs, right? And you just have no idea what anyone's saying. And I can say for sure that I have never felt more isolated or mentally exhausted in my life. It is for sure the fastest way to pick up learning a new language, very sink or swim mentality, but it was exhausting for me and just really not an enjoyable experience at all. And the only place I could really just chill was sitting in my room alone, watching a movie in English or going out somewhere by myself where I didn't have to try to talk to anyone. And like the more I think about this, I'm like, maybe this is how I became so antisocial, you know? Oh my goodness, this is like a live therapy session. Okay, let's move on. So anyway, if you want to learn another language, just give up your life and probably your mind and move somewhere where no one speaks your language and you'll be speaking the host language in a couple months. Someone asked me the other day the biggest cultural difference about being in Brazil. And so I thought I'd tackle some of the funniest and maybe some of the hardest ones. But you also have to remember, like, Brazil is huge. So it's like assuming that people from the South or the Midwest are exactly the same as people from, like, L.A. or New York or something. Like, clearly very different. Interestingly, I feel like the gap in differences in Canada seems to be less between provinces. I mean, there are differences as well, but I feel like it's not as big as, like, in the States or in Brazil. I don't know. But Brazil is huge. Like there's massive urban cities like Sao Paulo that have 25 million people. And there's jungles and rainforests and quiet little beach towns. You know, there's deserts and mountains and little country, you know, agriculture and people living in the country. Like it's so big and so diverse. I can really only speak to my own experiences. But shortly after I moved to where I am now, which is way in the northeast in a tiny little city that most people haven't heard of, there's lots of agriculture and farming. It's very arid and dry here, lots of cactus. Um, It's basically just hot all year round. Um, It doesn't really rain a lot either. Like 
in the past five months, I can count on my hand the number of times that it's rained. And even then, it's like, you know, a brief rain and then it's back to sunny. Right now, we're basically into winter and the temperatures have dropped to about 30 degrees during the day, maybe like 28, usually 30. And then it drops to about 21 or 22 at night. And that's freezing for a lot of people. Like stores are selling winter clothes, big puffy jackets. And I'm like, what is going on? But I guess cold is relative, right? Even my kids have completely climatized to the weather here. A couple weeks ago, it had rained a bit during the day. So by the evening, it had cooled off. It was probably like 20 degrees with a cool breeze. And I sent my kids outside to play. And like five minutes later, they were back inside. And I was like, what are you doing? And they're like, it's too cold. We're, we're coming in. And I was like, oh, my stars. Brazil has turned you soft. Like you will not survive a Canadian winter. If you hate the cold like me, having summer all year round is really lovely. But also, I feel like I just miss the change of seasons, you know, like the cozy sweater days where you just want to drink some tea or whatever. That just doesn't exist here. Um, And obviously, food is a big one for me, too. Like there's so many different foods that you can't find here. And well, even your meals are just so different because the structure of your day is totally different here. I live close to the equator, so the days are always the same length. The sun is up by 5.30, it's down by 6 p.m. all year long. In summer, we might get like half an hour longer of daylight, but coming from Canada and those long summer evenings, like I really miss that. It just doesn't exist here. So people get up really super early here with the sun. And even my kids, like they start school at 7.30 a.m. So we're out the door shortly after 7. And an interesting fact about school here too is that it's only half a day for everyone. So they can choose to study from 7.30 to 11.30, four hours, or they study in the afternoon, like 1.30 to 5.30, which honestly is, I feel like, great for kids because a school day is so long for them if you think about it. But it's honestly a nightmare for working parents. But this is also where that cultural difference plays in because most, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot of grandparents watch their kids. And it's this idea of a collective upbringing. Like there are daycares for sure. But a lot of people that I know just leave their kids with grandma. And that's just sort of the cultural norm here. Like it's expected, you know, parents are going to go off to work. Someone's got to watch the kids because kids are only in school for half a day. And very often they're left with grandma and grandpa. It's just really interesting and very different, I feel like, from Canadian culture. So anyway, sun is up by 5.30. Bakeries are a huge thing here. Um, They're open in the morning early, and then they close for most of the day, and then they open again later in the afternoon for dinner. So breakfast is normally bread, fresh bread and eggs. And I'm from the Northeast here, so we eat beiju a lot, which is um, really common. It's like a tapioca pancake. And there's also something called couscous, which is this hot cornmeal kind of dish. Very typical for this region. You can find a few types of cereal. I'm a big cereal fan, so it's something I miss a lot. But there's very few options. They're really expensive. And interestingly, you can't find cold milk anywhere here. It's all shelf milk. Um, when I lived in Bello, I actually I found it once, I think, at a supermarket, but it's not common. Like, it's usually just on the shelf. I've never actually seen it in a container bigger than a one liter either. It's always just sold in one liter containers. Um, and then lunch is the big meal of the day here. So you'll have lunch and then 
a break. Most stores are closed over lunch as well. So a lot of places will close from like 12 to 2 kind of thing. So people will go home, they'll eat their lunch, which will be a big lunch. They'll maybe take a nap, relax a bit, and then go back to work. And Brazilians eat rice and beans every single day for lunch. It's like a staple. And I find this so interesting because I feel like even the food that I like the most, I could never eat every single day. But like I have friends in Canada who are Brazilians and they still eat rice and beans every single day for lunch, which I just find so interesting. And then normally there will be some kind of protein like fish or chicken or something and then a salad of some kind. So it's actually pretty healthy food. Like when I think about what I used to eat in Canada for lunch, if you worked with me, you probably know my eating habits. Um, not great. So I feel like I'm forced to eat much more healthy here. And not a lot of fast food. That's not really a thing where I live. It, it could be different, but like my city doesn't even have a McDonald's. There's an, actually, when I come to think about it, I don't think there's any fat. Like there's a Subway. Actually, I think in the mall there, okay, no, in the mall there's a Burger King and a Subway and then a few other like fast food places. But like in the city, no, like that's not a thing. Like you wouldn't, nobody is going to get fast food for lunch. Like it just, that's not normal. So yeah, so the day then kind of really ends around 6 p.m. Most stores and businesses are closed by 6 p.m. That's also when it gets dark, right? So everything just kind of shuts down. Everyone goes home. Maybe around 7 or 8, you'll eat a light dinner of like soup or a sandwich, something super light. A lot of people will stop by the bakery on their way home, which is now open again pick up some fresh bread. We do this a lot. Or after work, I'll walk down to the bakery and the fruit store with my kids and we'll get some fresh bread and some fruit and head home. A lot of things in Brazil are as expensive, if not more expensive, I find than in Canada, but not like fresh fruit and produce is always cheap and always fresh, right? Like obviously we don't have the cold season. It's just everything grows all year round. Like fruit, especially here, we have lots of mango, banana, coconut tree, lots of grape vineyards. There's lots. This is like a heavy area for fruit exportation. So that part is really nice. Um, I, I mean, I could talk about the differences all day long, but Coming from the prairies of Canada, I guess there are aspects that are the same. Like there's kind of this small town vibe, I would say. Even though the city I live, it has 300,000 people, which is very small in Brazil. I kind of has like this small town vibe about it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, those are some of the differences living in Brazil. There's obviously a lot more. And as I think of some other ones, I'll share them with you. But Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode of Antisocial Anecdotes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to leave me a note, you can do that at antisocialanecdotes.com slash contact. I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.